In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time to get happy. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. A fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness because happiness is a choice. And happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show, Harvesting Happiness. Lisa's going to shine a light on the well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. And as a filmmaker, psychologist, author, professor, and motivational speaker specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cypress-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. In the show, she'll also focus on military families, service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and civilian life reintegration issues. So let's get to it. Harvesting Happiness on Togedad.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I'm your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Today, I'm here to speak with you about happiness, well-being, and human flourishing. Authentic happiness is not a selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic pursuit. In fact, the achievement of a happy life is not only good for us, but good for those around us. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to the collective flourishing of humanity on a global level level. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on our guest today, I want to open up the phone lines for call-ins. It's 877-864-4869. 877-864-4869. Today is a particularly important show to me because I have a fantastic guest, not that all of our guests are fantastic, but this one in particular, um, because it's regarding a cause that's near and dear to my heart, and that is helping our returning military personnel reintegrate after service. Today we have Sergeant Andy Brandy, who is a combat trauma specialist. He is a member of the U.S. Marine Corps. He is the author of two books, perhaps more, but two that are, are important to this issue, and that is The Warrior's Guide to Insanity, and his newest book, The Warrior's Guide to Worlds at War. And I'm going to bring Sergeant Brandy on right away because we have a lot of material to get through, and uh, I want to welcome him. Good morning, Sergeant Brandy. Good morning. How are you today? I am great. How about yourself? Uh, Excellent, excellent. Outstanding. Excellent. Ready to rock and roll. Ready to rock and roll. Well, me too. I wanted to uh, read something that comes directly from your book called The Warrior's Creed. And I think this is very interesting for the civilian population that is listening to this show, because really what we're trying to do here is reach out to people from the bottom up, not just from the top down, to raise awareness and service for our men and women who have served this country. And The Warrior's Creed, you write, is as follows. When the darkness within humanity threatens the innocent, I, as a warrior, willingly step forward onto the battlefield, living by the highest standards of honor and discipline. If called to do so, I shall give my life 
to protect life. I am never alone in the darkness of war, for my brethren warriors stand beside me. As a warrior, I am the living truth of human nobility. I shall carry on the tradition of all warriors before me to be the example for all to follow. I am a warrior. I shall always be proud to be a warrior in this life and the next. For surrender is not in my creed. And this is the important issue that we're going to talk about today. Welcome again. And let's just get to it because this book is very, very exciting for lay people as well as the young men and women who have served who are coming back. So, uh, uh, me too. Sergeant Brandy, why has uh, there become an even more urgent focus on reintegration of our troops? when they come home. Are you speaking about what has changed since the uh, beginning of 9-11 and to now with the uh, assassination of Osama bin Laden? I wasn't even being specific. We, we can also include that, but it was really more about we have hundreds of thousands of men and women who have been deployed. They are coming home from service, and many of them are coming home far different than when they left and with issues that really are very, very serious that we all need to be aware of. Okay, well, I think I understand the question. What is extremely critical for parents, for spouses, and children to understand now, excuse me, is that the person that went to war comes back completely different. There is no uh, way I can tell you how many times I've heard mothers say that, oh, my God, I don't even know who walked through the door. My son or my daughter is so different now. And I tell them, no one comes back from war unchanged. No one. Now, the person that came back has trauma, has experiences, has been part of perhaps, uh, oh, the, the horrific parts of war, the, you know, the, the extreme cruelties, the viciousness of war. They've seen things that, are, that couldn't be imagined by most civilians. And when they come back, they have all these memories locked in their brain, and they have gone through a transition, a change, and will never be the same. So it doesn't mean their life is over. It just means it's over as they used to be. And you have to learn what, uh, what they're feeling as best you can to love them unconditionally and to help them understand that they're normal for what they've been through. And that's a big, big point. They're normal for the experiences that they've, that they've gone through. But those memories will stay locked in their mind for the rest of their lives. It doesn't mean that they have to live a terrible life like I did for 35 years but there's help now. Programs like yours, programs like uh, Bell Ruth Naprasex. Uh, there are lots of uh, Horses for Heroes. Uh, you know, there, there are lots of programs now and very good therapy to help these young people get through the trauma to a point where it does not impact every moment of their lives. But they are changed forever, and that's something that parents, moms, dads, spouses are going to have to accept. And if the, if the truth comes back and wants to get help, wants to heal, then they will. If they don't, they'll stay the same like from my generation for years and years to come until they either kill themselves or kill somebody else or completely ruin their lives and everybody's lives around them. 
Well, this brings up a very good point, something that uh, I don't believe that many people are aware of in terms of the homicide and suicide rates of the soldiers once they return from service. That, And you, you, you're probably better at recounting the statistics, but it's, um, to my knowledge, there are roughly 4,000 uh, casualties, uh, our soldiers that have been killed in, in service in the last 10 years. Is that plus or minus about well, the right amount? That's approximately right, yeah. But and, there have been... Go ahead. You go ahead and continue. I'll just. Well, I was just going to add that that's the, those are the statistics that we look at as the immediate casualties of war. But the the mm-hmm. the casualties of war keep on giving. In that every year we're losing probably double or triple that in homicide and suicide from uh, the military community, and that's that's a tragedy that we can help prevent. All of us in some way. Right. You don't have to be a warrior to help warriors. You just have to care. And the statistics are, you know, you can Google them on the Internet and stuff, but approximate numbers, uh, the 4,000, it's it's more than that. But we don't talk about the casualties from suicide. We don't talk about women suicides. We don't talk about the fact that nobody comes home from war. No one. That's why we call ourselves the half-dead, because part of us dies in war. This month alone, we'll have over 6,000 suicides. And homicides, uh, and many of the suicides are not counted because they're considered drunk driving or substance abuse or, you know, they're not on base, so they don't get counted. But the number is approximately 18 a day, and I think some clinicians say it's probably double that. 18 suicides a day for the Iraq and Afghan veterans. Hmm. That is a uh, shocking statistic. Yes, it is. And the numbers are actually higher than that, but I think that's a safe quote. And one of the things that is essential for us to recognize, at, at we, we say that these men and women have post-traumatic stress disorder, and in some cases there's a, another diagnosis of traumatic brain injury or other uh, depression issues or other issues that present. But the bottom line is that these men and women come home and the reactions that they are experiencing are not or shouldn't be labeled as a negative diagnosis, but reinforcing what they, what they are as being human. To, to have gone overseas and witnessed death or, or killing somebody and not be affected, that makes you a, a, a problematic statistic. The fact that you're coming home and having all of the, the signs of being human, having regret, having depression, having sadness, having even rage over what you saw or did is normal. That's correct. If they didn't feel that, they wouldn't be human. That's the yes. thing. Now, there are, there are some troops that have been so desensitized, so brutally mutilated mentally, that they will, they're sociopaths. They feel nothing, no remorse, no guilt. They've killed so much and experienced so much and seen such atrocities that most people couldn't even imagine. They have become so numb to their own humanity and completely numb to the humanity around them, feeling nothing for any living thing. Now, that's not everybody, of course, but the symptoms that most of the troops come back with are the depression, which is being caught between the two worlds that I talk about, the civilian world and the military world. They feel guilt, tremendous guilt, survivor guilt, because they're still not back over there. I think we talked last time about why they want to go back all the time. Well, they have a sense of honor on the, on the battlefield, a sense of purpose. And when they come back here, they lose that when they've been discharged and separated from their military family unit. 
And when they enter into the civilian society, it seems so empty. And then they're left feeling alone and don't really know what to do. And that's why programs are so critical when they first come back to give them a heads up on the fact, like you just said, that they're normal. Their normal reactions are what happens to every single combat veteran when they come back. And I'm not just talking about trigger pullers. Sergeant Brady, we're going to need to go to a break. And when we come back, I'd like to continue this conversation about the, the new normal, what normal responses are, and why our men and women do serve, and, and the sense of pr- protecting freedom that comes with that. So we will be back. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Sergeant Andy Brandy, who is a U.S. Marine Corps member and a combat trauma specialist. And you can find Sergeant Brandy at www.com. S-G-T-B-R-A-N-D-I dot com. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. This is a no-brainer. This is about saving money. It's extreme couponing in an everyday world. And it's on Toginet, Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern, noon Central, with your hosts, Joni Deemer and Heather Wheeler. These crazy coupon ladies have been seen on TLC, The Today Show, Reader's Digest, In Touch, and so much more. Check out their website, the crazy spelled with a K, couponlady.com. Then join Heather Wheeler and Joni Deemer as these crazy coupon ladies show you how to find coupons and stack them for huge savings. How to make passers-by give it your cart full of groceries you purchased for 75% off retail. Extreme Couponing will give you the confidence to strut down the aisles and flaunt your coupons and maybe even wear high heels to the grocery store. It's Extreme Couponing in an everyday world with your hosts, Journey Deemer and Heather Wheeler. Every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 12 noon Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Sergeant Andy Brandy, United States Marine Corps. He is a combat trauma specialist and the author of a couple of books. The newest one is The Warrior's Guide to Wars at 
uh, the, the war, so let me start over. The Warrior's Guide to World at War, The Dragon Has Awakened. Welcome back, Sergeant Brandy. Oh, great. It's kind of a tongue twister, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It, it definitely is. But that's okay. It keeps me on my toes early in the morning. Yeah, you did good. You're, you're, good. you're good to go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Before the break, we were talking about what drives these men and women to serve and, uh, in turn, how we can serve them. Um, and I, I know you and I have had this conversation about the concept of protecting freedom. Yes, it is. I think it's important to understand why we go to war, why warriors go. If you look at freedom uh, and what that really means, warriors sign their lives away to join the military to fight for freedom, but freedom in the most ideal sense. It's the idyllic perspective of freedom, liberty and justice for all. We believe that. We go to war and we die for that. And sometime along on the battlefield, we start to get this uh, conflict, a strange feeling inside that, oh my gosh, you know, this is a, I'm fighting for the true essence of freedom for everyone, protecting the innocent, and yet I see around me hundreds of billions of dollars being spent by a war machine. Uh, the people in the country we're fighting with uh, really don't want us there. We're, we're going through all this political rhetoric. We hear all the news and everything going on. And it starts to not make sense. So the way I look at it, if we look at the great people in history, like Martin Luther King, Mandela, Gandhi, these people are like a battle cruiser for freedom, traveling on a very rough sea. Around the ship is the, the, oh, the uh, despicable things that we hate, the, the tyranny, the greed, the lust for power, the corruption, the money-making schemes going on around us, all part of war. But we as warriors cannot lose focus on why we're there for the true principles of freedom and liberty. And that's why we go to war, and that's why we die and give our lives and limbs. We focus on the essence of why we're there, not on the peripheral, the ocean of contempt and you know, all the rest of the things that go on around us. So that's a, it's a really important thing to understand. That's why we volunteer. We're looking at the very best of humanity, and hopefully someday that will be the, the predominant factor. And as civilians, in t to help our men and women when they return, what can we do? What are some simple steps an everyday American can take to uh, honor these men and women who have served? Well, you can start by welcome, welcoming them home. That's a subtle thing. When you see a soldier in uniform, or you know there's a soldier that, or, or not just a soldier, anybody in the military, just say welcome home. Then you can support organizations like yours, like uh, uh, Bellroot Naprasek, the uh, Health Journeys, uh, Guided Imagery, uh, programs like the Horses for Heroes programs, Cowboy Up programs that help with service dogs like uh, Paws and Stripes. There are a number of organizations around the country, and this is a very important thing. We need to focus now on the communities. Uh, we can't expect a lot from the government. We can't expect a lot from local governments or large organizations. We have to do this on our own. We have to help these young people feel that they have a place and a purpose. And this is part of your program, to help them to understand, yes, they can feel some joy in their lives. They can master the emotions and control the primal side, that beast in us, and move on through life. 
But I don't know exactly how to give you specifics other than help the organizations, the homeless shelters, the the people that are working one-on-one, law enforcement. I'm working with law enforcement now and the local communities and homeless shelters to uh, bring in some understanding of these young people. They are so different, Lisa. They are so different than my era. And you've got to give them a lot more leeway, a lot more attention, or we're going to have some major problems. I think attention is a, is a huge point. We need to recognize that these men and women are are, are changed. There are issues with uh, addiction that are very very prevalent. The rage, the um, and the and the uh, quickness of the government and the medical communities to slap a label and 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 medication in their hands, and well, that yeah. and that is a I think in some cases one of the steps to defeat. You know, if you come home, you're presenting with some issues, you go and get help, then you're worried about losing your benefits, you're worried about having, having a, a, a label in your record that's going to stigmatize you, you are less apt, one is less apt to reach out for care. That's correct. That's correct. And a lot of the times these young people come back and they have a bad experience with the VA, and I, I'm very pro-VA, they've done great with me and helped a lot of my friends, but uh, there are very, very few in the entire system of counseling in this country qualified combat trauma counselors who understand the modalities, the therapies that are really effective now with these young people, and they don't seem to feel like they can get much help except from their fellow warriors, except from other warriors and people who care, like you, to... And, but how many, how many are there of you? How many, how many are there that can take care of the two million coming back with some form of post-traumatic stress? There aren't that many. So we have to do what we can one-on-one, one soldier, one airman, one, one officer, whatever, at a time, and help those individuals, and maybe that will help them to help others. I believe you're right. I believe it is reaching out and helping where we can and empowering these men and women to then take the tools that they've learned in programs such as as mine and other programs, which there are many out there that are very effective, and, and, and turn it around and say, look, I can help you. This is what I know, and this is what I know has worked for me. And... Uh, recognizing that that life is a journey and if they've come home and they're alive and they've come home and their minds are working well and they can contribute to society that they have uh, a a life ahead of them and in the case where their minds aren't working as well where there's traumatic brain injury how can we help these men and women identify their strengths and help them cultivate you know greater resiliency so they can contribute and feel good about themselves and and have a happier life if not walk around happy, which may or may not happen, but certainly in a happier place than when they return. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, my most important emphasis right now is uh, on the families to bring these kids back. And to me, they're all kids. I'm an old man, but bring these young people back and, and have their families understand who they are. This is why I've been working on getting on Oprah to talk to families, although I haven't had much success. If we could reach out to millions and millions of mothers and fathers and spouses to let them know that their sons and daughters, their, their husbands and wives are normal, that there is help available, and then, like you're doing, direct them to the help without the stigma, without the paperwork, without all the stuff that goes on that makes them feel like a leper, then that is a tremendous way to help hundreds of thousands of our young troops, hundreds of thousands. 
not just a few. So that's, that's extremely important. The families need to be alerted. They need to be educated. They need to understand where they can go for help. And that's important. Right now, the vet centers, the uh, readjustment counseling centers, the vet centers in the country are overwhelmed because they've been asked to take in active military. There are a, a good number of combat trauma counselors in the system, but they are being overwhelmed because they can't handle the numbers. So we have to pass some of those troops off to organizations like yourself and a number of others that can help the burden and get everybody some help. And there is good help nowadays, good help. And you don't have to be on medication your whole life. You don't even have to be on medication in some cases. And it's, it's not a, uh, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is not a freight train. You know, <laughs> there is hope. <laughs> Indeed, and I wanted to t talk a moment about uh, the quest for uh, awareness of your work to Oprah Winfrey. The show is no longer, but the Oprah Winfrey Network and the radio is something that is alive and kicking, and we're just going to put an intention out there to raise awareness for Sergeant Andy Brandy and his work to Oprah Winfrey right. Network. Uh, because she I does think have that, a, Yeah, she does have a cable program now, I think a TV program, so. um, but her I, radio show too. A radio show. I, I am not a TV watcher, but I am aware of her power. I know that uh, she is aligned in the vision of people helping people, and that is uh, a great intention, is to get the Warrior's Guide to Worlds at War, the dragon has awakened, into the hands of as many people as possible. Uh, so we understand the problem. And there is another part of the problem, too. We often think of war as our men and women going off in combat, fatigues into theater and that's where the war is taking place and you shared a very compelling story with me before uh we got on the line about a young man in new mexico who was mm -hmm. flying a uh, uh a plane remotely we are going to go to a break because this is a very important way for us to understand the complexities of this war and how the issues of combat trauma um are not just somewhere over there, thousands of miles away. They're happening in right. our backyard. Um, but I want to save this story because it's, a, it's, it's a very poignant. Um, and before we go to the break, I want to make our listeners aware of where they can find you, where they can find the book. So if you could give yourself a plug, I would be grateful. Oh, sure. Uh, if you go to my website, sergeantbrandy.com, that's S-G-T-B-R-A-N-D-I, <clears throat> excuse me, B-R-A-N-D-I, and... It's a, it, that website was designed by Afghan and Iraq combat veterans. And if you look at the, the, on the home page, you can put press on the icon for, for either of the two books. The money from those book sales goes into a fund that allows me to buy more books because I'm giving them away free to our troops. I need about 4,600 books right now to give away, and I live on my disability check, so it's got to come from somewhere. Right. But that's... That is the best way to go on my website to buy the book. <clears throat> on Amazon.com, they're about 13 or 14 or $15. On my website, it's $7 for the first book and $9 for the second book. And that they're all self-printed, self-published. So I pay a good deal of money for each book. So whatever is left over goes into the fund to get these kids' books free. I've got a lot of them right now screaming for them on the basis, and I can't get them to them. We are going to go to a break. 
And when we come back, we are going to continue the conversation with Sergeant Andy Brandy, United States Marine Corps, and talk more about the Warrior's Guide to Worlds at War and the nature of this new war. And here come the tunes. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Want to be challenged in a powerful way to leap beyond what you think is possible? Then join us Mondays for the Leah Jensen Show every Monday at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com with Leah Jensen. Listen live as life coach Leah uses her coaching skills to give you the tools you need to take action and create momentum. You are encouraged to call in and share your greatest fears, challenges, and obstacles. And then listen as Leah obliterates those barriers to success. For more on Leah and the show, check out her website, leahjansen.com. That's Leah, L-E-A-H, J-A-N-T-Z-E-N.com. Spend one hour with Leah, and you'll be captivated by her energy, enthusiasm, and magnetism. You'll quickly become addicted to her positive attitude and make-it-happen mentality. Ready for a life-changing, mood-altering show? Then get ready for Leah Jansen. And listen live to The Leah Jansen Show every Monday morning at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Sergeant Andy Brandy, United States Marine Corps, and a combat stre- uh, combat trauma consultant and an author. Before the break, we were talking about the nature of the present wars that we are engaged in, which are very different from the past. And I think this is important for our listeners to understand, Sergeant Brandy. You had described a very compelling story to me about a young man in New Mexico, and I'm yes. hoping you can share that. I will, indeed. Uh, most people tend to think that you have to be a trigger puller, like a grunt with a rifle and down the trenches with Kevlar and body armor and all that stuff. 
But this young man was 23 years old. I talked to his uh, his wife after this happened, so I couldn't talk to him. He was a, a pilot on a drone. I don't know if it was a, a Predator or what, some kind of an armed drone flying over Iraq. And, and this is a... This is real time. He sat in front of like a six foot high definition color screen with his remote, his like his joystick in front of him. He was given the order to go into this build, to go into this uh, area at this village site and bomb the Taliban. Well, he did that, came in, did the strafing run, dropped his ordinance, blew apart 25 bodies. Then he thought, well, I better. I didn't see any weapons there. I better do a flyby. So there was no incoming uh, rounds, you know, to, to hurt, hurt the ship. So he did a flyby back, slowed up the vehicle, came down at low altitude, and zoomed in. And what he saw was the body parts, the heads, the arms, the legs, the feet of 25 bodies blown apart, and the heads of the ones he saw were women and children on the screen six feet high. This young man went absolutely, I don't, it's not a clinical term, but crazy. He hit the wall. He was then put into a psych ward on heavy medication. I don't know whatever happened to him. I never heard from his wife again. But he was born with a computer stick in his hand, with the Nintendo stuff. He thought all this was a game until he saw what he had done, and he never put one foot on the ground in Iraq. And this young man is He's traumatized for the rest of his life. One incident, one. And so this, is, uh, this is the nature and, and complexity of the sophisticated wars that we are fighting. You know, we have a very different right. kind of enemy. We have very different kinds of equipment than when, when you served in Vietnam. And it's startling to, to, for us to, as civilians to understand that, that a young man can be sitting in his cubicle in New Mexico shooting uh, a gun or deploying bombs in, in Iraq, and then he goes home at night and sits at the dinner table with his family right exactly as though nothing was happened uh, nothing happened that day everything was fine and his wife wonders well what's wrong with you what's wrong with you well you don't go you're not overseas well yeah he was mentally there and yes. he did commit and that would be an atrocity murder extreme viciousness I, there are, I could give you a hundred stories like that there are just so many of these young people that have been through that uh, very quickly, a Marine I know, uh, the Taliban were in a building, had his, his squad, under his 12-man squad under fire. They were on their last magazine. He couldn't get anybody to come in for air support. He finally got a, a bomber to come in. They dropped two 500-pound bombs on the building 200 feet away from him and blew body parts of the women and children because there were 80 women and children in that building and only a couple of Taliban. He killed over 75 women and children in one minute. Now, that young man is, has severe problems, and you can't blame him. That's the no. kind of thing that's going on. And right now in Kandahar, Afghanistan, as we're talking, our troops are dying right this second, and nobody hears about it. And that's part of the betrayal that they feel when they come back. Why don't I see about my buddies overseas? And they don't see anything on the news. And the people here have closed off to the wars. They don't want to talk about it anymore, and I don't blame them after 10 years. But that doesn't help our troops any. It doesn't help no. them feel that they've come home. 
it, it doesn't solve the problem. And certainly since the, uh, the public announcement of Osama bin Laden being killed, many people think, okay, now the mission is accomplished. And so therefore right. that chapter is in history is now over. And it couldn't be farther from the truth because we've got these men and women that are, are there are men and women, there, there are children that need to be right. helped. Well, let me, let me ask you this, Lisa. If you were a, if you were a soldier, Marine or whatever, and you were, uh, over there fighting for freedom, and you realize that your country did send you to war, and you volunteered to go. And then when you came back, nobody wanted to take care of you. What would that say to you? Wouldn't that say, uh, my life really isn't worth anything? My, I'm nothing but cannon fodder. I gave my life for this country, and now they, they don't even acknowledge that I exist. They're cutting funding. They're not helping me at all. It's a betrayal, an unbelievable betrayal. It's very similar to Vietnam, very similar. Yes. Yes, I would, I would feel that, the sense of betrayal, absolutely. See, and that's the part that I knew 10 years ago when we, when we invaded Afghanistan. We started this whole thing. It's nine, eight years ago, they were calling it the Forgotten War. Now it's truly the Forgotten War with Osama bin Laden dead. The mission is over in the American mind. Now we're moving on to the economy or to moving on to something else. But that doesn't matter. Because our troops are coming home, and we are going to have to face our responsibility for what they've gone through and what we allowed them to go through by sending them there. If we don't take care of them, it's not going to be like Vietnam, I guarantee you. It's not going to be like that era. These young people are so different, and there's so much rage and so much betrayal, so much disappointment. Obviously, the suicides are an indicator of that. And I think that we need to understand the impact on society that all of oh, these, yeah. the, the spoils of war brings home, that we're, then we are now confronted with a different kind of emotional battlefield that we are all collectively oh. responsible for and affected by. That's right. Yeah, we think about the numbers of these troops that are trained in special operations. Um, there, there are hundreds of thousands of them over the 10 years that are trained in special battle tactics, city siege, um, you know, that's why the Homeland Security folks um, a year and a half ago, two years ago, said the greatest threat is domestic terrorism. That is the problem. They are not going to just stand by idly like we did or go sleep under a bridge. They're going to do something and vent that rage. I'm working right now with motorcycle clubs or gangs because they're having problems with the new Iraq and Afghan vets. In the, in the gangs, with the close-knit family unit, and they can't control them. So what does that tell you about troops out here on the street with no supervision? It's yes. a frightening thing. And, and self-mastery no is the exempt. key. I'm sorry? And self-mastery is the key, and that is what I know you, your angle in working with these men and women is all about them gaining some sense of control over their lives again. And certainly that's, that's right. the, the, the effort that I put forth. I do it in the form of positive psychology coaching right. um, protocols, and you do it with, really, uh, with grace, humor, and no nonsense, no BS. And I would love for you to share some of the tips, you know, that if it, if it touches one person, one mom or one wife or one dad out there that's listening today that says, yes, that's my son or daughter and can, and can go help them, what, what, what could you share? Well, I think the most important thing is the second book. The first book did its job. The second book is for the Iraq and Afghan veterans. It is a tool 
for them to use <clears throat> to learn how to get their lives in order. There are 15 tools at the back of the book, and this book is based on over 6,000 conversations with combat troops. It's their book, and if you want to understand the military mind and what warriors feel, not just think, but feel, I would recommend every parent to read that book. If you can't afford one, on my email address is right on my website. I'll give you a book so you help save your kid. It's just that simple. Information, knowledge is the most important thing to be. You know the old saying about know thyself and all the mystical teachings? Well, in order to know yourself, you have to look at the darkest side and the most noble side. And most of these young people aren't able to see that dark side because they're denying it. They don't want to face it. Oh, and they're, well, I could never tell these things to mom because she'd think I was a monster. Well, guess what? You are. We're trained killers. We go to war for one reason, to kill the enemy. And when we come back home after doing that, we expect a little courtesy. We expect a little acknowledgement, a little, say, an attaboy or girl. you know, yeah, you did a good job, and then you had to do what you had to do. But that doesn't take away the horrors in our mind. But it would make us feel a whole lot better to think that at least somebody cares. But for the, for the parents, to get them to understand, please, you go on my website, the, the, you can hit, there's a free ebook on there for the second book. Free ebook for the first and second book. There's a free audio on there for the first book. Uh, I put the, the first topic of the second book and the, la- and the tools are on there, all free. Just go look at that. And then uh, you're, you're linked to the website, and so is uh, Belle Ruth Napersek for the, the uh, guided imagery. Look at her stuff and maybe get her discs. I've got one right in front of me. It's called Self-Mastery. It's, it's for our troops. It, it helps to have them gain control of their emotions, primarily the beast, the primal side, and then feel better about, okay, it's okay to feel guilty. It's okay to feel lost. It's okay to go through the stages of grieving. I have to do this if I'm human. It's okay to feel these things. And then start to heal. And it's not an overnight process. No, it's not. It's a, it is a, it's, a long, it's a long road back to oneself. I, I think that that's true. No matter what tr- kind of trauma any of us have experienced. Um, to reach to, uh, Sergeant Brandy, you can do so at www.sgtbrandi.com. You can get to him through hh, the number four, heroes.org, which is Harvesting Happiness for Heroes website. Sergeant Brandy, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm proud to share, is an advisory board member and you can reach uh, him through there. Uh, we will be giving the Warrior's Guide to Worlds at War out at the Harvesting Happiness for Heroes upcoming workshop at Sundance in Sundance, Utah, which will take place in October. Um, we are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we will uh, carry on with talking about some of these tips and tools for how to reach out to our loved ones who are experiencing combat stress. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet.com. 
It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I'm here today with Sergeant Andy Brandy, United States Marine Corps, who is a combat trauma consultant and author. He has written The Warrior's Guide to World at War, The Dragon Has Awakened, and this book, which has just come out, is really a handbook for our returning military personnel and their families who are reintegrating back into civilian life. Welcome back, Sergeant Brandy. Well, thank you. We're good and, to go. Oh, we're, we're good to go. I want to also uh, share with our listeners that at the back of this book, there is a wonderful glossary of military speak and catchy sayings. And uh, <laughs> I get the biggest kick out of this. You did this in your first book as well. And as a, as a layperson, as a civilian mom working in this, in this arena, it's helpful to me to have these terms so I can understand what the hell you guys are saying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It is military speak. It's not like a, a, the civilian terminology. <laughs> you can talk two or three sentences and no one will even know what you're talking about. It's true, so, and I suppose that, that, that that's the idea. But he, the, the number one acronym or term that I love to know the real meaning of is hua, which we've heard in movies. We hear our soldiers uh, say it to one another, uh, writing when I write back and forth with the soldiers. Mm-hmm. They always will close out their, their emails with it. But I want to share that it means 
you tell us what it means, Sergeant Brandy. Oh, sure. Well, HUA, H-U-A, is the old uh, term, and that meant heard, understood, and acknowledged. So when you're talking to these young people, they'll say, HUA, HUA, HUA. They mean heard, understood, and acknowledged. When you talk to Marines, they'll say, URA. Well, URA is the Turkish word for kill. So that's, that's very typical for Marines, because that's all we think about. Uh, is, <laughs> yeah. So it's the condition and brainwash to do that. But so the, the, the term HUA, really, for the Army is is an acknowledgement that they've heard what you're saying, they understand it, and they're going to move out on it. We're, we're, they're good to go, ready for the mission. And it's, it's used quite frequently. I mean, it's a very common, oh, yeah. common term. But, you know, oh, yeah. uh, many of us don't, don't know what it means. We just think it's from the movie. Um, uh, it was with Al Pacino, correct? Where he used you it. Know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, uh, the scent of a woman or something like that. The scent that. of a woman, hey. where he talks about yeah, right. with a woman, and, this, and the particular scent of a woman was, yeah. Wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he might have meant it a little differently. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, yeah, that may be another show right there. But, <laughs> right, right, right. But you do have this wonderful glossary of terminology, and uh, I find that uh, it makes me chuckle, it makes me understand, and oh, yeah. that's what the concept of this book is. It's to put this in, in the hands of people who really yeah. need to understand what's going on with the people that they love, and that's what is essential about it. Well, the glossary is on the website free, too. You can look at that. It's right there. It says the same thing. You just go to the website. It's on the homepage. Look down there, glossary of military terms, blah, blah, blah. So it's, uh, it's all there. And your website is a wonderful website. And as you mentioned uh, in the last segment, that it was created by our, our present-day military men, correct? They, they that's correct. This. Yeah, so the, that's the, correct. They, they did it. It's theirs. Uh, uh, I, hope, <laughs> I love the eagle in the humor section that he says, Jihad this, and he's got his middle talon sticking up. I don't know where they got some of that stuff. I couldn't put some of it on there. It was too gross. But they did a great job. And that's what, it's all visual. All the icons connect to other visual icons, photographs, pictures from downrange. All that stuff is what they wanted. And, and we get about, oh, 150 to 200 hits a day on that. So that's not too uh, bad. Well, here's a good one. I'm looking here, the Precision Guided Whoop Ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we could say that on, on the hit. We yeah, can. We can, and it means an incoming artillery or an airstrike. And just below that is PTSD. And, you know, this is very, very interesting because you right here, my definition is psychological training for superior discipline. In shrinker right. speak, it means post-traumatic stress disorder. The D right. at the end sure sounds a lot like disease to me. <laughs> it does. And I always and, tell them when I'm talking to people, it says post-traumatic stress disorder sounds like something you got dumpster diving in Thailand or licking a toilet seat on B Street in Okinawa. Yes, and I think that's what we want to really de debunk and demysticize is, you know, yeah. there, there, is a there is a diagnosis code for, for what is going on, but mm -hmm. we don't have to be defined by this. And the idea is to break through beyond these barriers and heal that, you know, because you've been given this label doesn't mean it has to stick to you. Right. Well, the, the term PTSD, we're going to have to live with that for a long time, us warriors, because that's in the system, you know, and you're not going to change that. So you just have to kind of look at that and say, well, that's really not what it is. Of course you have some, some future problem. If you have a traumatic event, then the event creates stress in the future. Well, no kidding. Well, uh, that, that's where our brains work. 
but you have to understand how your brain works, and I think I described that fairly accurately in the book. And that a lot of that stuff comes out of some of the best psychiatrists in the country. Didn't just dream all that up in the book; it's there, and I just put it in terms. But that's uh, very clearly how to understand the grieving process. Very important. And by the way, the quotes in that book, when I compare the grieving process between civilians and warriors, every single one of those quotes is a direct quote from a warrior. <clears throat> so these are, these are, this is their book. <laughs> it's their book. It, it, it is it is their book, and really what you've done so eloquently, as you say, is taken sort of all of the psychobabble and mm-hmm. and crystallized it into into no nonsense. You know, here are the facts. This is what's going on with your brain. This is how you can help yourself. This is how you can reach out, and you can feel better. You will feel better. You you will. Well, I don't I just, just tell them the psychobabble. I tell them how to actually do things. Yes, there are examples of. I mean, this was based on my own experience. Uh, maybe a thousand Vietnam veterans I've talked to in the last 40 years, the ones that are still alive, and the, the people that have been successful in getting their, their trauma under control, the, the events, and getting on with their lives, and living a, a pretty damn good life. So these are time-tested tools for these young people to grab a hold of and work with them and practice every day. I tell them, you can't become a good sniper with one round. It takes thousands of rounds every day. Practice, practice. And then you remap your brain. Your brain starts to to uh, acknowledge that. But I think it's, if we have, I'm looking at the thing here. We have time. One soldier told me, "Oh God, sir," he says, "I, I just, my wife accused me of loving my dog more than than uh, you know than I I love her and my daughter." And he said, "Well, yeah, actually, I do." He said, "But I feel <laughs> I feel so numb." I said, "Well, that's normal. It's all right." And he said, "Now." I don't know what to do. I have this other friend. She's just a friend, like a cousin kind of friend. And I go out with her, and I, I watch the way that she treats animals and people. And I said, all right, buddy, copy her. Copy Pretend you feel, instead of wanting to kick the dog or, or trip the kid, think about how your cousin treats the kid, how lovingly she acts, and pretend that you feel the same thing. Pretend. And eventually, and I did this, eventually... You pretend long enough where you believe that your normal reaction is going to be kindness and compassion, and eventually you feel it. It's remapping your brain to allow you to copy for a while until you can feel it in your own self, and then from that point on, you're on your own. You then begin to feel compassion and love. I've had this happen a number of times in my life, and that's why it's so important. My, I'll tell you, my first wife taught me how to love kids. My second wife taught me how to love animals. And my third wife has taught me how to love everything. The most beautiful person I've ever met. So if you copy the people and examples like Mandela, like Gandhi, like heroes, not John Wayne or Audie Murphy, they're good guys and everything, but, I mean, we want to bring out the peacemaker in you, <laughs> the loving, compassionate side. And then eventually you do start to feel it, and that's, becoming in touch with your own humanity, and then reaching out to touch the essence of all humanity and animals and plants and the earth. You feel that whole cycle of uni, of union and unity by copying first. So it gets rid of, it, it gets us past the numbness. When I came back, I was as numb as, I was a stone-cold killer, numb and no compassion, but I copied, and it, it worked. It does work. So that's, I think that's important for people to hear. 
I think it's a huge tool and it's, you know, your emotions follow your actions. It's, you know, it's like the fake it till you make it concept. You know, you just, you keep, you keep doing it through repetition. You, you put yourself on a training program. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, you go into the military, you go into boot camp, and you learn how to be a warrior. You learn how to be a soldier when you come out and you want to feel better and have a, a, a good sense of life before you put yourself through a training program to cultivate joy, to cultivate coming back to yourself, to harvest happiness. And it is That's no right. different. And, it's, and, it's, and it is a program. It's like you want to lose weight, you, you, you go on a diet. You want to get exactly stronger, right. you, 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 you train with weights. You want to become more joyful. You take these tools that, that, that you work with, that I work with, that others work with, and use them right. to your advantage. You work it. You work the system. I had a soldier tell me, you're exactly right, Lisa, I know we're running out of time here. I, I know we are. Call, I had a soldier call me up the other day uh, from Vietnam here, and he said, you know, Sarge, thank you. He read three-quarters of the second book. He said, for the first time in 44 years, when I get up in the morning, I want to live. And after he said that, he said, now what I'm going to do, because I read what you said about helping others helps yourself, and compassion offsets the need for adrenaline. He went out and joined the Patriot Guard Motorcycle Club, and now he's helping mentor Iraq and Afghan vets and feeling better by the day. He's on the road to healing, but it took him a long time to get there. And this is the uh, this is the 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 secret that's really not a secret about service oh. being a huge healing tool for everyone. Absolutely, you know, You're right. And to go out and make a difference in some somebody else's life, to get out of your own pain for a minute, right. and and you'll come back to it. It's always there, waiting. You know, all of our right. trauma is always there. <laughs> Absolutely, and do something, even a smile, talking at the cashier, you know, with a smile, and ask them how they are. Little things can make a difference. Uh, work at a homeless shelter and pass out food. Go down to the animal shelter and look into the eyes of a dog that's about to be euthanized. And then you start to feel compassion, and that moves and it grows. It becomes love. And when you start to feel that, you're on the way. We are out of time, Sergeant Brandy. We are going to have know, you back again in a few months. We'd love to keep checking in with you on the air. And here are a couple of thoughts before we part. Um, happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thank you for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and Sergeant Andy Brandy wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest actions. And until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Connect with Sergeant Brandy at www.sgt. B-R-A-N-D-I. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.